Gotta strap in, folks. There's a little history lesson, sort of, in here at some point, and uh, I don't know. Hopefully, it's not a doozy. Uh, so, I'm gonna be reviewing right now uh, Captain America number 11 of Captain America Comics. Uh, this is the first issue of Captain America done without his creators, Joe Simon and Jack King Kirby. Now, I wasn't alive in the 40s. I wasn't alive in the... Well, I was alive in the late 80s because I'm young. Um, or I guess I'm a millennial, so I'm not that young. But anyway, compared to some people, I'm young. Anyway, uh, I wasn't around to like worship Jack Kirby or really absorb a lot of comic stuff because honestly, for the most part for me, it was like uh, ultra sexy babes that made me feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't know. I'm looking at you, certain X-Men characters and like... What is her name? Psychic? Psych? Anyway, the girl with the windows and her outfit and the katanas and stuff. Anyway, um, like, that's what I was used to. And I, uh, with my upbringing, I was like, I don't know if I want these sexy characters. Like, it makes me really uncomfortable. I don't think it's right. Uh, And I just like Spider-Man anyway, for the most part. And uh, I've always had an affinity for Cap, seeing him in the Spider-Man cartoon. I had some Cap toys, whatever. So, like, you know, Captain America is really cool. Didn't know there was all this rich history to him and that he was originally part of Timely Comics. Then he got brought back into Marvel and all these things. So anyway, as I started uh, getting into this comic reviewing thing, and uh, honestly, I only really read when I review. And that's because I don't have tons of money to just blow on comics, which was another thing. The Marvel or all the comics markets were too big for me Uh, when Superman died, like, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. Or, no, Superman, Batman. Uh, I ended up buying a bunch of books of, like, different, you know, spinoff series or whatever. Everybody dealing with his death. Anyway, he came back, and I was really disappointed, and it turned me off to Western comics. But uh, I decided to quit being a whiny baby, and with Marvel Unlimited now, I have access to all these digital comics. And because I care about the content and the story and the, like, great images and stuff are, like, a bonus to me... um, I decided to get into it, and honestly, I gotta say, when I uh, did research and I looked into it more, uh, and I realized that Jack Kirby, I, I'm not gonna say Cap was one of his first works, but like Cap's a huge thing that <laughs> Kirby and Simon made together, uh, it made me kind of excited. I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of uh, like going into it so fresh. Uh, I don't have all these preconceived notions that I can just kind of judge Kirby, and I haven't liked some of his faces and some of his artwork. Um, like, there's some weird stuff. Uh, that he's done in his Captain America run, you know, issues one through ten, but there's really three Cap comics in each one, so that's like 30 Cap stories, and supposedly he and Simon, I don't know how they split their work up, which I've said before in this uh, series of reviews, if you've checked out other uh, others, um, you've heard me say that, so I don't want to belabor anything, but anyway, it just kind of frustrates me that I don't know what exactly each guy does, and it's a little confusing, and I thought these covers were them, but I found out in doing the research for this that they might not have been doing the covers. Because this cover, uh, let me go down to it. The cover for this comic, like, <clears throat> I, that doesn't not look like a Kirby to me. Now, uh, I've only read, you know, the 10 Captain America comics done by Kirby uh, and Simon. So, like, maybe I'm, maybe the mix between their styles looks like a, what is it, Avis? Uh, I don't know the guy's name, but I'll, I'll find out. I'll share... Uh, I'll get into the credits stuff later, but I'm just going to basically say, um, you know, I read this comic, Captain America number 11, and uh, I picked out this really funny line from Bucky, go to Papa Baby, he yells at this guy, he slugs and throws into Cap's arms. Um, And uh, another thing, 
well, anyway, so go to Papa Baby. It's a hilarious line. It's kind of funny. And uh, I kind of made that thumbnail thinking about, like, oh, this is, you know, there's a new dad in town. And, uh, you know, will he be as good? Like, you know, is the stepdad going to replace the, the dad? So Kirby and Simon are going away. And Lee's picking up the slack. He's writing all these Cap stories now. Uh, he had written a few Cap uh, prose stories. Uh, I don't know, issue 789, something like that. But then um, after a while, they stopped uh, even up to issue 3 or 4, I think, or as early as issues 3 or 4. Um, he wrote, uh, he, his prose story features the first Captain America shield throw. Kirby and Simon have Cap throwing his shield at this butterfly guy, uh, in the comic that comes after that. It's possible Lee saw them doing that and, and copied it and put it into his story. It's possible that he wrote it in the story and they thought it was a great idea and they ran with it. I don't know. I've never heard. To me, that's the most iconic thing about Cap. But, you know, we could argue about that if you really want to. Just visually. I mean, come on. How awesome is that? Anyway. Um, but, yeah, Lee's taking over now writing all the Cap stories. I don't know how long his run is. I'm only going to read the next couple, and I might do, like, a little thing where I survey and go through uh, Mike's Amazing World of Comics and see who gets credited for what. But, anyway, um, it, it's a different writer, and it's a different team of artists. Uh, and i got to say, honestly... Uh, you know, obviously Cap does survive because, you know, he gets pulled into the Marvel Universe uh, in the 60s or whatever. And then, you know, there have continued to be Captain America books throughout time and, you know, Avengers and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I just thought it's kind of an interesting thing to posit. Like, is Cap good enough? Is the idea and everything of Cap good enough without Kirby and Simon doing it? And I want to say yes and no. Uh, and the reason I say that is because these... I'll just quickly go over... Um, the stories. So the first one was called uh, The Case of the Squad of Mystery. And just to sum up, it was about these, like, uh, basically these Nazi, either they were so Nazi sympathizing um, soldiers who replaced, who, yeah, replaced, they were imposters basically, who replaced a squad of soldiers at Camp Lehigh. Um, so that was the story. Cap uncovers the mystery behind that, okay? Very interesting, right? I did like it, genuinely. And I'll go back up. I'm just kind of reviewing them first. Then there's this one where there's these hillbillies who are feuding with each other. And Cap and Bucky get involved uh, with the feud. And there's a little bit of a mystery there. Also, kind of funny. Mystery. The Case of the Squad of Mystery. It's a mystery story. Uh, <laughs> this one with the hillbillies. is kind of a mystery story. And finally, um, this uh, Symphony of Terror. Is that what it's called? Yeah, this Symphony of Terror, which I don't know why it's called Symphony if it's about, like, a opera, which I guess that's it. Anyway, Symphony of Terror is also about, here we go, Symphony of Terror is also about basically a mystery, like a murder mystery going on. And uh, I've argued before when Kirby and Simon were doing it that it was kind of frustrating that they just kept throwing mysteries at us because, you know, is Cap a mystery guy or is he a patriotic guy? Is he fighting for the flag, fighting for America, or is he fighting for something else? I don't know. Um, but... Um, anyway, I liked all the stories overall. Um, probably the, the, <laughs> the last one with Mephisto as the, with this villain Mephisto, um, was the weirdest. And it was really interesting. Cause like, I have no idea what Cap's power level is, uh, how much stronger than a regular man he is. I think that's very ill-defined. Uh, and it's just, it gets zany cause this Mephisto guy keeps slipping away from them, but it makes for a lot of fun action. And I almost wanted to just feature and talk about this one page here uh it's one of these three hold on let me see because it's just so action-packed and so cool uh, but also so weird like there's stuff that doesn't make any sense so overall 
like you got to read this. You got to read this. It's good. It was fun. It was very entertaining. But there are some weird things in it. Um, there's also some imaginative stuff. I'll, I'll start off with the bad and then go from there. So like you probably can't tell from here now. I'm showing the entire page. I'm going to zoom in uh, to like half page. This lady's face and the way she's drawn. She's in a small panel far away. There's uh, eight panels on this page total. But she just doesn't look good. Like, <laughs> you know, she's supposed to be this pretty lady. And just the way she's rendered, it's very low detail. Uh, I think very poor quality. Um, and I don't know if that's pencils or inks, but even here, her face is like melting. Like, there's just no detail there. Um, even from far away, it looks kind of weird. Now, I've complained plenty about um, Serby... Kirby and Simon's uh, bad, like, Bucky faces and even bad faces that they've done for Cap. Um, but this is, uh, she's a little worse. And they draw a hillbilly lady, and she looks kind of bad, too. So I'm going to zoom over to, to her as well, because uh, I think that's uh, an interesting case, uh, especially because it's so contradictory. So there's this hillbilly lady. In this image, she looks kind of young, and she looks like maybe she's supposed to be pretty. Uh, her clothes are tattered and stuff, but I guess it's because she's a hillbilly. Like, look at this guy's tattered pants. Um, like, I like how character, how full of character all these images are, and they're neat. It's, they feel a little funny being in a Captain America comic, but it works. Like, this, this drawing's really cool. It looks kind of like the, the hag or the witch from the Black Death or the Black Witch uh, comic a while back. Even, like, look at these guys' faces. Like, pretty bad. It's There's definitely a difference in the technique, um, but they're very characterful and very expressive, which is good. I just don't know... Um, I don't know. And even like Bucky's face here, I don't know, some of the roundness of it, it's maybe a little too chubby, or the perspective on it's weird. I kind of like the shading. Um, it's these lines, uh, they're interesting. They're, they are distinct from, from Kirby or Simon, and I did notice that. So let me see if I can find a picture of that lady, because in one image, in that image I showed you, she looks kind of pretty, or like she's supposed to be pretty and young, but then in the next one she's like haggard and old and like really, she looks bad. Um, but I think it's on purpose, so, you know, that's good, I guess. Um, no, I don't see that. Anyway, I didn't clip that. But, like, look look how interesting this tunnel is. They're in this underground catacomb under this opera house or whatever. And it just looks really neat. Um, the detail on the rock, like, just the idea of it. They're fighting a guy called Mephisto. And, you know, that's like a devil or whatever. And I don't know how many names there are for the devil. There's, like, so many names for God in the, in the Bible. And there's probably more in the, you know, different literatures from different, you know, groups who believe in, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the devil's got, like, maybe 10 or 12 names that I can think of. Mephisto being one of them. Um, anyway, uh, I think his look is really cool. I, again, I think this, like, hellish landscape that they're creating as uh, Bucky and Cap are chasing him down is really cool, really compelling. Uh, again, I said that it's funny that he keeps slipping away, but there's weird that stuff. Like, right here, I think this is in chronological order, yeah. So, like, he's slipping away. He's stuck on this corner. He's like, there's a catwalk. There's this tower thing. There's this corner. He's got the cops on one side. He's got Captain Bucky from the other. And then on the next page, the very next panel, somehow he's running past Captain Bucky in this room, swinging from this chandelier. The way, so, like, Cap's, like, his head's hitting the Mephisto's lower back, maybe his butt, whatever, and he's grabbing onto the front of his legs, right? Um, and then they're, like, upside down falling, or the image is flipped over falling, and Cap's face is, like, near his belly, and his arms wrapped around his back, and then Mephisto's up and right. It just, like, it doesn't make sense. Um, so there were little things like that. Like, they, there was 
a lack of quality in the sequential nature of the art, which was frustrating. I don't think um, Kirby or Simon really had that problem. But then you have really cool stuff here like this. Like, look, I read this line and I knew that uh, was Lee. There was a couple things I read that I was like, oh, this is Stan Lee, right? And I went and checked and yeah, sure enough it was. But a policeman's unerring aim writes a grim finish to Laval's bloody career. That is so Stanley. And then I like this detail. I don't know who put it in, if it was the letter or the artist, but his scream, it arcs and it goes down and it like fades and crumbles and like as he screams, ah! like his death row scream is really cool. Although it's funny because it looks like he's shooting him in the butt. <laughs> I'm sure it was supposed to be in the back and maybe there were like rules or whatever as to why uh, he was shown to be shooting him like that. I mean, but you've got classic, you know, all classic Captain Bucky stuff. Cap using the shield, getting shot at, the bullets are useless, it's really great. Um, there's a, a nice shield throw in here too. Um, the wallops and the punches are very kinetic and they feel very good. You know, Cap uses the shield multiple times to uh, to not get hit um, by bullets. Um, yeah, and then this guy, let me see if I have, no. So this guy's running away from him, he hits him in the back of the head, and then he goes and like, you know, grapples with him, and uh, you know, they're having this wild fight, and like, that was really good. Um, so yeah, the comic can definitely go on without Kirby and, um, Simon, but I think, um, they definitely like mimic their style. It didn't feel like it was a departure. It almost felt like a greatest hits, uh, as far as like the content of the stories, like there was a Nazi story, there was a, uh, horror story and then, you know, kind of a thriller with the murder, uh, at the opera. And then there was like a mystery with the hillbillies. Like there's a mystery of something going on here, even though the Nazi one's kind of a mystery as well, but um, even though it's like a whole thing where Cap in the Hillbilly story lays all these, all this data. And actually, I kind of think he does it in, uh, the soldier or, or the mystery squad one, but like, uh, Cap and Bucky running in silhouette, you know, with the moon and the cat and the, the tents and stuff behind them. That's classic. Uh, the way that they're shown, uh, leaping the wall bounding, like they're each leaping it differently. Um, and it shows like, it just shows character. It shows a difference in their physical stature and abilities and strength and things like that. And that's really neat. Again, just the, the action, the hits, uh, feel really kinetic when they're uh, tussling with people and like all that's good there's lots of great stuff with them like running around and just like weird gadgets like this weird transmitter thing that's sending out audio signals you know it looks like a little castle um there's a lot good in here and uh i'm definitely not going to be forcing myself to read the next two issues and uh i enjoyed it so far so uh that's pretty much all i have to say although i do have a word about the credits because of the changing of the guard that happens uh with Kirby and Simon stepping away after issue 10. So issue 11 is all brand new people and I wanted to get into that. A while back I did research on Captain America, um, you know, the fact that Kirby and Simon started it and then they went off of it. Uh, and then another team uh, ended up taking over. The fact that Stan Lee was sort of involved with Captain America. And I don't know if he's the guy who decided they should bring him back in in the 60s, uh, like for the Avengers, or I don't know if he had a solo book or if he was just in Avengers and then maybe got a solo book after that or what happened. But after the uh, Marvel Comics boom in 62 with the Fantastic, or late 61 with the Fantastic Four, and then uh, Spider Man coming out in 62, a couple issues after Fantastic Four was a hit. Um, you know, we that year we ended up getting Avengers, and Avengers pulled in characters who were part of the Marvel stable already. Uh, but anyway, um, that's me getting way distracted, and I want to focus on the creatives. So, from Mike's Amazing World of Comics, 
uh, he has a lot a lot of data for every single comic book uh, if you're looking at the screen right now you can see it breaks it down it says who the publisher is it even gives the fact that Marvel at the time of publishing Captain America comics number 11 back in 42 or actually 41 technically was actually uh, called timely comics Inc uh, as opposed to Marvel it gives the address of the building there which I'd love if I ever make my way to New York maybe I'll visit that someday who knows um, I don't know if that's their cur the current Marvel offices or not but that'd be interesting to know I'm sure some of you you know comics freaks out there know um, and then it gives the difference between the uh, cover date and the on sale date so I've heard like from my boy your boy everybody's boy Zach that um, the cover date used to be that it had to come off the stands by that time and I don't know why they, it's kind of like an expiration date which I don't really understand the the method behind that but whatever um, I guess nowadays we have that too sort of because you'll go back a month or two later and there's still back issues or there's you know now back issues when you're looking for you know rise of Ultraman number three uh, there should be one or two of two and one left anyway um, for if you're coming into it in the middle of the series right anyway uh, Tells frequencies, tells cover price, whatever. But, interesting. It now says Editor Stanley. Previously, I don't have this screen grab, so I can't show and I can't reference it, so I, I'm guessing. Um, but I know in the comics themselves, on like the first page or the first like splash page maybe, it would say, Art and Editorial by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. So, uh, of course, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon created Captain America, but they left at issue 10 because there were issues uh, that they were having with Timely. And I believe they actually went to go work for DC. I don't know if they stayed together as a team or if they were working on different stuff. Again, I'm not into the history. I'm just kind of into information, <laughs> uh, if you get the distinction there. Anyway, so at this point, uh, you know, these Captain America comics, they're these anthology type things, mostly carried by Captain America. But there's uh, a Father Time and a Hurricane story in here, and then there's a non-comic story, a prose story written by Stan Lee. So I grabbed, I snipped more information. Oh, and I noticed this too. It gives credits for the cover. So this cover was penciled by Al Avison and the inker was Sid Shores. This is interesting. When I went into it to look further into what exactly was happening, the first story in Captain America number 11 is called The Case of the Squad of Mystery. Um, Stan Lee wrote it, Al Avison did the pencils, and Sid Shores did his inks. So. I thought, what about the next one, the Feud Masters? Again, Lee, Avison, Shores. Uh, the third story in here, the Symphony of Terror, uh, it says Pinsler is uh, Shores and Inker's Avison. I don't know why Stanley's not specifically um, credited as writer here, or as, yeah, why he's not specifically credited as writer here. Could that be, or is that an error in... Uh, Mike's system is that because he only puts stuff on here that's actually uh, accredited or or something like that and maybe Lee Lee's name was left off the credits here because uh, Avison and Shores made the story up that went along with it um, the Symphony of Death story or Symphony of Terror I'm sorry story is interesting I don't want to get into a tangent of talking about it and analyzing it right now because I just basically wanted to make this little section here that I could drop in um, to share all the information about the changeover in uh, the staff. Um, I do want to say, uh, well, I want to save everything else for later. So that's pretty much all I wanted to share in this section right now. Uh, so we have had a changing of the guard as far as who's writing, who's making up the stories for Cap and Bucky, and uh, who is uh, 
making them visually as well. So now we have Avacyn and Shores, and I don't know how many uh, they work on. I'll have to see. Do they? It's the same set of guys on 11 and 12, or 12 and 13 rather, um, or did they just tackle issue 11? I don't know. We'll have to see. If you enjoyed this, like, comment, and share to help me grow. Don't forget to subscribe to keep current with each release. Chat with me on Twitter at MJ underscore scribe. Visit mjmunoz.com slash podcasts to find the multiple feeds in which I analyze Star Wars, Tokusatsu, comics, and more. Visit mjmunoz.com slash support for links to my Redbubble and coffee pages so you can help me keep doing the things I do. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Until next time, be well, and may you find the strength to be the hero you needed in your most desperate hour.